Newcastle's best childhood centres, The Little Unicorn. Explore, play, discover, grow. Enrol now. Supporting Newcastle's only mum's radio show. I got it from my mama. With Beck and Sarge. Buying a house this week. Yay, I'm about to. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when I first walked into my house, everything, um, if you listen to the episode, you should go back if you haven't listened to last week. Selling a house, it's really good. Buying a house, I walked into mine and I go, oh my God, I'm in love with this house. I wonder what makes someone fall in love with house. We're going to find out this week with Brad from The Block and also um, Heath from Loan Market is incredible. He's going to tell you how you can get that loan that will get you over the line. Yeah, I think that was really cool. Hey Brad. How are you? Good. Uh, Can we talk about buying a house? All the people who are really considered are going to look around the suburb and look for like the medium price and then try and get the house for that. And what are your top tips on buying a house? I've heard that you don't care about the colour of it. You can look past that. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think block size, it depends on where you want to be, obviously. You've got to pick a suburb you want and research that suburb. Yeah, my partner um, then, looks at block size. What What's your thing about that? Is it just because like long-term investment, it's going to go up more if it's on a bigger block? Yeah, that's true. But it's also your live, the livability of your lifestyle as well. So if you've got a bit bigger block, you know, with families or kids or things like that, you could then, you know, it makes it a better place to live. But if you want to add a garage or things like that or you want to put a pool in, obviously the bigger the block, the easier it's going to be to do that sort of thing. Or if you, if you want to do an extension, there's a, there's a certain amount of open space and things you have to have. You know, so the bigger the block means you'd be able to put an extension and things like that on as well. Yeah. Is there anything that would stop you from buying a house, Brad? Like when you got your um, report done, for example, and there was we had a little bit of concrete cancer and we were concerned about that. Are there any things that you would see in that report and think, oh, no, sorry, Lara, I have to break the news. We can't get this one. <laughs> Yeah, I think there is a few things like that. Obviously, depending on how well your building report comes back, obviously you don't want to have to spend huge amounts of money trying to repair things, you know, sort of spending good money after bad in a way. But, you know, like things like that, concrete cancer or if it's had big termite damage or if there's easements on the blocks that will restrict you from doing things down the track, um, you know, things like that. The age of the building, how, how well it's been maintained, you know, things like that as well. So... There's a lot of things to consider. Water is another big one. Oh, okay. You know, if you're on a sloping block and there's houses behind you, what the runoff's going to be. Oh, God, I would never even think of that. Yeah, things like that where water can cause huge amounts of drama under a house. You get water coming off another block next door, things like that gets under the house, then you've got movement on your piers. Oh, jeez. So there's lots of things like that to consider as well, but all that should be coming up in your building, your building and pest report as well. So that, that's why it's really cool to get those things done before you purchase. What about some things that you would think um, that people might think would be a red flag, but you yourself would go, okay, I can deal with that. Like Lara was saying, when you see a yellow house, you know, with a green roof, <laughs> which you guys are considering at the moment, it's not necessarily like a no from Brad. It might be like maybe. So what are some other things where you sort of think, oh, hold on, maybe you should consider this? Look, I think anything cosmetic. You know, okay. you go into a house and, and it was built 70 years ago and the tiles are purple and the walls are pink and things like that. But they're relatively easy fixes. Anything structural, obviously, is a problem. Um, that's where you get into big money. But if you're prepared to do a bit of work yourself as well, chipping up some tiles and, and getting a tiler in or, or whatever to put some new tiles down to change the look of the bathroom or the, or the kitchen splash back or 
things like that, um, uh, you know, aren't, aren't big deal. So, I mean, paint, it's amazing what a coat of paint will do to something. You know, you go yeah. and buy a, as you say, you go to a house, you know, pink roof. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you can paint that pretty easily now. And, and, and you get, if you get a team of painters in, they'll, they'll, they'll paint it. It'll cost you, you know, probably cost you 10 grand to get a house painted, something like that. But that'll be 10 years, you know, you get out of that coat of paint. So it's, you know, paint colours and cosmetic stuff doesn't it doesn't worry me, especially if you're going to prepare to have a go at it yourself because you can save a lot that way. What do you think about sloping blocks? We've got one that's a big um, pain in the backside. We're going to do a big renovation. It's going to cost us a lot more. What are your thoughts on that? I, again, I, because I do a lot of stuff myself and I'm not daunted by things like that, I, I don't see that as being a huge issue. Okay. It's an easier thing to be on a flat block, single level living. It's quite easy. Yeah. But if you if you plan it well enough, there's good um, advantages of sloping blocks because you create good separation with your floor plan and your layout. Yeah. You know, okay. if you wanted to add a, a studio underneath, you could then rent out or, or something like that to generate income. Yeah. That's a good way to do it because people can enter separately. They can come down a driveway and in underneath without having to come through the house. So there's, there's good ways you can create separation between areas where you can have, you know, if your kids are teenagers and they want to get a bit of a retreat away from you, you're sick of them, you can push them downstairs and say, you know, go and watch your telly down there sort of thing. Or, or as <laughs> yeah. I said, you can create a, a, an, an income stream by having a little self-contained unit underneath or something like that. So, you know, parking's another big one. You can have a, a driver down and create extra storage and parking under, underneath a bonus of having a and also mm. living um, living in an area that's really hilly can be just really beautiful compared to your old dull flat areas, can't it? Well, that's true. Yeah, you can get aspects, you can get a view. Generally, you can get better breezes and things. That's a big that's a big one to consider when you're doing any sort of renovation. Is which where you get your predominant breeze from? You know, you, which way your house obviously the best sort of way to face your living areas and things like that is to the north so you get good winter sun in that because your sun's lower in the winter months you'll get good sun and free warmth in the winter but also consider where your breeze generally comes from because that's what you want to cool your house in those hotter times and generally on a sloping block or if you're a bit elevated you get you get a good good mix of the breeze as well. When you're looking around at prices in a suburb, just financially, the median price, how much would you go above that? Would you go 50 to 100K above it if you're in love with it? Yeah, I suppose that depends on the person, isn't it? If it's the perfect house and, you, and it really suits what you're looking for, um, and, and it depends on what you're going to do. Obviously, you don't want to pay over if you're going to try and do a renovation on it and flip it and sell, and sell it in a few years' time. But if you're looking at it as being a family home, you can see yourself there for 10 years, you know, and it's the perfect house, it's exactly what you want, and there's nothing to do, then I don't see it, you know, I mean, you don't want to pay too much, but, but you know, if you work it out and go, okay, I paid 50 grand more than what the median house price was, but I actually love it, and we're going to keep it for 10 years, you know, it's 5000 a year to have peace of mind and, and to have the perfect place, and then it's obviously going to increase in value over that time anyway. Just finally, what if you are new homeowners and you don't have heaps of cash, what are some good ideas of, um, you know, a property to buy that um, won't set you back too much and might not be to other people's liking? Like you might be able to get it cheap, but you think that that sort of property might be okay for people? Yeah, look, I think that's a big thing at the moment with affordability. People want, nowadays, they want four bedrooms, double garage, yeah. you know, real flash. But when you're a first home buyer, you buy what you can afford. Exactly, so yeah. I overboard. You know, I would love to afford a house, but I bought one in East Maitland because that's where I could afford it. Yeah. So 
it's what you can afford and just buy within your means. And if you buy a modest house, could be a fibro shack somewhere. You can always do it a coat of paint, build up a little bit over time. But if it suits you and your needs at the time when you buy it, well, it, that's what it is. You buy what you can afford and then you, you slowly improve it. You know, you can always add paint. You can add an extra bathroom down the track. You can do a little extension here or there or, you know, an outdoor area, build a deck, you know, things like that that can always improve that property along the way. But it's just get your foot in where you can and, and then hold it for five or ten years and then that's going to be it's going to be increased and then by then you hopefully got a little bit more money in your bank and you got you might have double income coming in there and then you can afford to buy something better just look at that property then have a vision of what it could be for you i guess in 10 years time yeah that's right i mean my the first house i bought i one of the major factors i bought was because it had a big block at the back it was on a corner i did some research at council and, and figured out that i would be able to add a second dwelling onto the back half of that block oh wow so, there was upside there. I knew that as soon as I bought that block, there was upside to be able to add something down the track when I could afford it. So I ended up relocating the house. An economical way to do it. I re- we relocated a house onto the back half of that block, and then you know we rented that out. So that was something we did down the track. And then obviously when we come time to sell, we turned a block with one house into a block with two. So there was obviously a better return on that. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much, Brad, and good luck with the move. I know it's been hard to sell a house that um, you guys put your heart and soul into, but uh, the best of luck with uh, everything in Byron. Are you enjoying life up there? Is it really as crazy as um, it seems? Yeah, it is. We love it up there. <laughs> it is a great lifestyle, but that's probably a good tip too. Don't uh, don't build your forever home and then sell it. I'm building our forever home and then we sold it. Brad, you just, you guys have the skills. You've been on the block. You just got to build your forever home again, right? You love that stuff. Yeah, that's right. Shelly, you know, off the block selling craft, her motto, we're great friends with her. It's forever home now. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It's forever for now. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time. No worries. This is the I Got It From My Mama podcast. Big shout out and thank you to our sponsors, The Little Unicorn. They offer quality early childhood education for children aged between six weeks and five years of age with a focus on fun, play-based learning. The Little Unicorn Centres have been designed with your child in mind. My little nine-month-old Lily goes to The Little Unicorn Broadmeadow. There's also Honeysuckle and soon-to-be Charlestown Square. But I love the Story Park app because it's on my phone and while I'm here at work, it keeps me up to date with what little Lily is doing. And so I can go about my day and still enjoy her and her day. Visit the Little Unicorn website today. The Little Unicorn, explore, play, discover, grow. NHM, I got it from my mama with Beck and Sergeant Heath Williams from loanmarket.com.au. I'm Parry Street, about to have your second baby. Are you nervous? A uh, little bit, but I think we're over that now. And, it's just like, and you up. say that your little girl has her all her toes? No, little boy. No, little boy? No, Jessa just had her toes painted and she's all ready to go. Oh, yeah. you mean ready, your wife? Yeah. So everything looks the important good, stuff, so. come on. <laughs> That's so good. This week is about buying a house. Uh, it's a good idea to get your finance in order before you go to choose your house because basically you don't want to f- fall in love with a house of your dreams if you can't afford it right, Heath. That's right. But what are the first steps that we need to do to um, get that loan that we need to have secured? I think the biggest thing is speak to someone that knows what they're doing, that's experienced. And like you, right? Like me. <laughs> 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 I can I'm so happy we found you. <laughs> uh, I think getting things in place first, knowing what you can afford, so then you're not sort of over committing before 
you sort of get to that point and fall in love with the place. Do you find that people do? They say yes and then they can't. You do. We do get it quite a bit. Oh, um, puts a puts a little bit of uh, stress on the the client and also on us as well. But um, at the end of the day, we're there to make them happy, and we'll do what we can to get them approved. So, can you go in and say to somebody basically, "Hello, I can you tell me how much I can get?" Is yeah, that that the easiest way to it. do we it? Can, we've got over forty five lenders, so you know there's there's a lot of different options there, and not every lender actually lends the same amount. Yep. So you know what you're approved with for one lender. I've got a client today that's actually pre-approved. They wanted to buy something a little bit more than what they're approved for. So we've actually got uh, two or three lenders lined up now. Um, it's just a matter of them choosing. Do you recommend um, for people, because my partner and I are now, um, I was in a previous relationship and I took the unsafe route and this time I'm with a partner who's very safe. And so um, <laughs> I would say cautious is probably a nicer word. Um, so would you say um, like we? there's no way that if you guys said to us, okay, well, you're approved for this amount that we would ever ask you for a single dollar over that amount. Is that what you would recommend to people um, or does that put them we, in a bad situation? What we sort of try and do is get people approved for if they think they're going to spend that little bit more and that's one of the questions we ask look you know you're saying you want to spend this much but if you found something that was you know twenty thousand dollars more, would yeah. you spend that not trying to push them higher but giving that comfort knowing mm. that they're approved for that higher amount if they found something you know five thousand dollars more um you know just mm. to get get the house mm. they really want yeah Does it put them in a scary situation should someone lose a job or should you know a financial situation change i guess that's always going to be scary yeah you, know, sort of you don't know what the future take. is right no. yeah. yeah that's right no one can predict what's going to happen with their job sort of in the future usually um but just giving that peace of mind of knowing what you can afford and that sort of thing and you know sometimes people can afford a lot more than they actually think bringing that back a little bit to realistic where they're comfortable yeah. How much should we save theoretically for a deposit on a $650,000 house, for example? Most lenders want to see at least 5% genuine savings. Um, the, the better better um, interest rates come at loans that, are, that you're paying more than 20% deposit. So depending on your situation and that sort of thing, but we've got a number of different lenders there to work with you know, clients with 5%. Um, some, sometimes when clients don't even have 5%, we've got guarantor loans or there's other ways that we can actually do it to get them into the market as well. Yeah, right. That's, That's really cool. good. Okay, going on Sarge's 650k house, what does your combined income need to be to get a house like that? Again, that depends, depends on, on the lender. Yeah. Um, every lender is different and depends on how, you, how your income is derived. Um, clients that are self-employed are different. Clients that have uh, commission-based income, that have overtime – um, everyone's a little bit different. So that's why we need to sort of get a basic idea for upfront. So then we can suggest the lender that's yeah. sort of more suited to them. So what if somebody is self-employed? Because I know that it's that a big thing these the days. Yeah. yeah, The stressful part. What do you recommend for them? What if both parties um, are, are self-employed? Uh, <laughs> Just that get that pay slip from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> why do the banks care so much about a pay slip? But honestly, like sometimes your business is more dependable than a boss, right? Yeah, that, that's... It's so old school. That's a, that can be a difficult one. There's a few changes recently. Some lenders are only wanting one year's worth of financials. Um, a lot of the time as well, you, your accountant's there to maximise your, your tax deductions. Sometimes yeah. that doesn't really help yeah. getting a loan approved. So yeah. sometimes it's best to speak to us before you do your tax so we can we can have a chat to your accountant oh, okay. sometimes. That's a good idea. Okay. Yeah. Let them know so 
at least let your accountant know, look, we're looking at buying a home. We don't want to earn zero. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's right. That's right. Uh, makes, it, yeah. makes it very hard for us to get uh, get you approved if yeah. you're, you're showing zero dollars earned. Absolutely, so. <laughs> it does. A lot of mummers out there do work casually and a friend of mine was in the position recently um, where they went for a home loan and they had the manager write a letter to say that they were permanent casual and therefore the loan was able to be approved. How does it work with casual these days? Is casual it? depends on how long you've been in your job and again... She'd been for a number of years, uh, yeah. Number of years, that sort of thing. You can show consistency of earnings yeah. and that sort of thing. Some lenders may want a letter just to... To, to sort of clarify that and confirm it. Um, depends on the time of year it is as well and how long we are into the financial year. Um, if there's a long period of, you know, this time of year we've got almost a full year worth of um, worth of earnings there, so they'll annualise that. And, again, depending on the lender and their, their uh, policies as to how much we can sort of derive. Also, interest rates in, went down recently. So what kind of interest rate should we be aiming for now? Uh, me to say a particular interest rate at the time. What should you um, not be accepting? At, yeah. At the moment, it definitely shouldn't again, it depends on depends on your situation, but interest rates you should be below four percent at least. Um, Great. So my five point three doesn't sound so good. It's not <laughs> so good. At, at the moment you're looking at uh, a lot of the interest rates from the RBA's change uh, a few weeks back. Uh, lenders are now just coming on board this week um, with their changes and their amended rates. So mm. Any that have dropped will now come into effect this week, or the majority of them. So you'd be looking, most of them sort of low threes. Wow, okay. Mid to low threes, sort of worst case scenario. And just finally, how much of your wage should you be looking at spending on your mortgage? Depends on what you're comfortable and depends on your lifestyle. Again, we go through that quite heavily in the the introduction phase and um, go through your living expenses. That... Opens a lot of eyes for people. Uh, <laughs> I know I have heard recently, yeah. don't order Uber Eats when you're going for a home loan because they hate it. <laughs> um, it's not even funny. It stops people, people from getting houses. How much they're actually spending. So yeah. going through that in the first case, you know, some people go, whoa, we spend a lot more. No, nah, this is what we want to be comfortable with moving forward. Mm-hmm. So, um, again, depends on what you're comfortable with and what your main goal is. You know, if you can curb your spending habits to help you buy that house that you really, really want, Sometimes, you know, just a couple of months of curbing those habits. So we've got a bit of history there to prove to the bank that you don't spend over and above. Yeah. um, Definitely helps. Heath Williams, Loan Market. Go and see him on Parry Street uh, to buy your dream house today. Thank you so much, Heath. No worries. Thanks, girls. This is the I Got It From My Mama podcast.